It's the Listen In Podcast. We are back with a new episode. First of September. We're back to football, Jake. We're back to football. Back to family. Football is family. (laughs) Football is safe. Football is moral. (laughs) It is. And so is music, Sean. (laughs) Yes, it is. Um, And uh, we're back to that as well. Mm. Um, Nice to be back. We took a little break in August. We did. Um, We've said that every episode we've been back this entire year. Which is fine. Hey, life gets in the way. Summer hours. We're two grown men. That's, (laughs) That's a stretch. Uh, but yeah, like you know, life gets in the way. Hey, you turned twenty-seven. I in did have a birthday. Happy birthday! Thank you. Yeah, Thank you twenty-seven club. Here we come. That's right. Um, That's uh, dark. You know, let's dive in with some news here first, Jake. A uh, couple big news items, actually. We're yeah. going to talk about the Lana Del Rey album uh, probably at length in a little bit, but a couple news items. Number one, new Kanye West album coming September twenty-seventh. I have a take for you. Apparently, this was teased on Kim Kardashian's Instagram. You know how back on Ye or Pablo or whatever the fuck, they were writing down all the track names on a big list. And, you know, it was like this viral thing. People signed it. It feels like they're trying to recreate that. It's just like a notebook page has some track names on it. All of them are religious themed. And this title is called Jesus is King. Now, Jake, is Kanye West just blonde and gone? Or is this a... (laughs) Come back. I have two takeaways. Um, one, Kanye West has had a full mental break. Two, this album is not coming out. It's this, definitely not. It's not right? coming out probably this year and definitely not on this date they've announced. Definitely not. I certainly don't believe that. So my take is like, I'm not even going to pay attention to it. That, I, that's my thing too. I don't think it's real. We've been burnt too many times on the short term album announcement tease like it already happened with yandi which is never going to see the light of day either this isn't going to come out and honestly if it does i don't like maybe it'll be good i can't say that a kanye west gospel album called jesus is king really gets the engine going for me unless he goes like all in and somehow reinvents gospel through some modern lens that could be cool. I mean, I think yeah, that'd be sick. Does Kanye have that in him right know. now? Between know. you know Donald Trump phone calls and Oval Office visit, I don't know. It's it's, it's sad at this point to be honest. It's the, tough. The, the Kanye trajectory. Yeah. What a what a strange decade it's been for that dude. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I, I a dark and twisted. Uh, decade, uh, some might Sean. say. I mentioned the Lana Del Rey lyric. We'll get into that. I think. You know, Kanye is representative of America in a lot of ways, Jake. Yeah, well, yeah, in, in some sad ways that he didn't really probably have to be. Mm. Um, yeah, that's but, true. But I do sort of feel for this guy because I don't know, man. The, again, the read I always get is that there's some pretty there's some mental illness. Oh, for sure, for sure. It uh, seems pretty substantial, and yeah, yeah. I don't know the extent of. So uh, who knows? Who knows? I, 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 my money is that this album doesn't exist and will not come I, out I this agree. month. I agree. I, and if I, it I exists, it's in some form that will be released yeah. on Yandi in 2026. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Most likely, yes. Uh, the other big news item, Jake, one of our favorite bands, Pine Grove, put out a new single called Moments last week. This is classic Pine Grove. It's a little bit more of like, a, I'd say it's a little more well-produced, but still with that like 
lo-fi pine grove feel yeah everything feels a little hazy or filtered yeah. through some kind of like some kind of fuzz or something mm-hmm. and that's always in the production for them yeah really good song i've listened to it a bunch already um also seems like it's okay to talk about pine grove again i think it is i think it is it, it seems like everyone just kind of decided like okay they're like, back yeah. And I again, we've talked about that at length on the yes, podcast. I'm not looking to go into that no, at this point. No, and I don't want to, but I, I that's an interesting observation, and I would agree. They also signed with a new label. They're now on Rough Trade, which also makes me think like, hey, new label, fresh start. Like, this seems to be the narrative that's out there. It's like, hey, well... Looks you like know, they're a four-piece now. That's right, four-piece. It's like, hey, well, this label... Must that like they're okay, so so surely I guess this is fine again. And then also that pitchfork article that really didn't come to any sort of conclusion or give anything fulfilling or meaningful as a conclusion to this story, except for an opportunity for Evan Stevens Hall to talk, yes, and like explain his perspective. Yes, I think that kind of opened the door to just being like. Yeah, they're still in the consciousness. Well, it feels like, honestly, like the, the court of public opinion will be the judge, and it's like there's nothing conclusive that happened right. in that relationship. And feels like what has ultimately gone down is they put out Skylight, mm-hmm. and they're going to keep making music, yeah. and people are going to kind of keep following them. Yeah. And outlets like Pitchfork are going to keep promoting them. Be- yeah, yeah. Because they are promoting them. They definitely are. You know, And they put out good music. You know? So here we are, and I can I say that I feel sorry about the way this has gone? No, I'm pumped. No, I me really either. I like Pine Grove. I, and look, we're, we don't want to rehash old ground here. I think these are very complicated situations. Very. I think there's not one solution, one f- catch-all for these different situations. You kind of have to take them as they come for the situations they are. And I think, to your point, this one turned out, I think, the right way. Who knows? Maybe? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But, but Pine Grove is back. They put out a new single. Pine Grove is moral. <laughs> Pine Grove is, is football. Is, <laughs> that's what we came to. But through the transitive property. Um, I think we'll probably get a new album soon. Maybe October or November potentially. Cause it would be a nice time of year. Wasn't It'd be great. That's, that's Pine Grove time of year. Mm-hmm. Now, didn't they say... When Skylight came out, that they had already like written their next one, yep. and that was like ready to go. I heard, yeah, I think there were rumors that they already that they had a whole other album in the can, like, yeah, at least written. I think that's probably this album. Yeah, I think uh, so. I'm excited. I, I, I really like that song. Uh, okay, let's dive into hot thoughts here, Jake. Uh, I want to start out. We have a number of albums to to cover here, but I want to start out with Lana Del Rey's new album, Norman Fucking Rockwell. Mm-hmm. Now this just got. A 9.4 Best New Music on Pitchfork, which is really interesting to me for a few reasons. Definitely. One, because we're kind of like, we're sort of like love-hate relationship with Pitchfork, but also like amateur, almost like historians of them. I think we both have this interest in them as a publication. Yes. And I was trying to think, what, what is the most recent review that is higher than this? Um... Not many. I can't think of really anything not higher many. than a nine four. Like last year, that Eve's Tumor album got a nine two, and that was the highest, right? And I think, oh, maybe it was like what that um, Beyonce one get this year? Did that get a nine nine three nine three? It might. I think it wow. might have been. What did like uh, 
Channel Orange or oh. or or like um, one of those Kendrick albums. Oh, might have gotten Pimple a nine Butterfly five. might have been a nine five or something. I th- I think it might be Good Kid Mad City kid. was a nine yeah. nine five. Regardless. Either way, I think it's fascinating just because they don't give out scores that high. Yeah. Let alone to Lana Del Rey, who they've never really gotten fully on board with. It seemed her like her trajectory has been steadily, slowly up. It seemed like she, last her last album, Lust for Life, finally kind of like caught a little something. It was like a high seven. Honeymoon as well. Honeymoon as well. But still, like not a darling by any stretch. Not really a critical darling in general. Like I think people have always been like, yeah, she's good. Yep. Never to this level of like a classic kind of like rating or reception. And that's not just Pitchfork. That is kind of like across the board right now. Yep. Did you happen to read that Stereo Gum piece? I oh, I never did. It? No. I was on Really yeah. good write-up, glowing write-up about the album. If, uh, it feels like so. Good Kid, Mad City did get a nine point five. Okay, I think that might be the highest that, review from, since Twisted Fantasy. Yeah, Twisted Fantasy was a ten. I think this is the next highest, and I think it might be Lana next with this right. nine point four. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, unless unless um, Damn got something like that, but I think that only got a nine. I think I think you're right. So regardless, um, your question was about the so okay so the uh, the way this album's being perceived. Really interesting. It feels like the narrative, from what I can tell, is it's an artist taking control of her own narrative and mm. control of her own creative voice in a in like a in a way that she really always have has. It also feels like a little bit of maybe a makeup call for. I think people are starting to realize how influential Lana Del Rey is. Yes, I think the narrative here is this is a little bit of a revisionist history yeah. on how we perceive and we'll talk about Lana Del Rey going forward. History will will be like Lana Del Rey was like a transcendent pop artist. And we'll remember, we'll be like, well, actually, for the first five, six years, she was popular. She got kind of trashed. A lot of backlash against her. Dude, I, I mean, Born to Die, which I think by all accounts is a, is a good album. Has a- She's never put out a bad album. Born to Die, her first album has like... Hit after hit. hit after hit, all catchy songs that you know compared to something like Norman Fucking Rockwell yeah. seems a little bit juvenile and a yeah, little bit yeah, simpler. Sure. Um, but there's something to be said for it. They gave it like a five point five yeah. because the move at the time in 2012 or 11 yep. or whatever year it was was to shit on Lana Del Rey. Yeah, and then there was the SNL debacle. That's right. Um, and yeah, it seemed like for a while it was like oh, like and people were like. Oh, she's fake. That's not her real name. Like it's like okay. So in the years since then, look at how. And this is the point that the stereo gum piece made. They're like Lana Del Rey was actually just ahead of the curve on everybody. Yeah. Like people are characters online now. That's how they present themselves as like these fake kind of like ideal versions of things that don't actually exist. That's Lana Del Rey. That's her whole character. That's her whole like um, position. And also. Artists have been changing their name for fucking years, man. Bob Dylan. Yes. And it's like all of a sudden we're gonna there's gonna be a backlash here because it's Lana Del Rey. Like Does Jay-Z have to go by his real name now too? Exactly. So there was a whole weird backlash about that, but this to me also feels like everyone catching up to what she's doing and kind of this like it's not just the character, it's kind of like her subject matter and how she's presenting things. And I, I think that's a good way to kick off, like, the Norman fucking Rockwell idea and kind of, like, theme of this album, to me, is kind of like this escapism or numbness 
filtered through like these American ideals, these classic ideals yeah. that you think you're supposed to strive for, but then you realize it's actually all empty. That to me is what Lana Del Rey is kind of all about is like this American excess on the surface, but under just underneath, like right there is like this sadness and emptiness. Dude, I think a big theme of this album is depression. Yeah. A big theme of this album is emptiness and nihilism. Yes. Of just like, it's stuff that we talk about on this podcast every single week. Yes. Due to our own, you know, sort of mental struggles with that kind of stuff. But that's all throughout this album of her just like, a lot of the lyrics even feel like it. She's like, well, I did this. Yeah. For really no reason. Exactly. I went and did this thing. Like, that's kind of like, lyrically, Lana trends that way. Yes. Like, um, and yeah, it's the, it is like this, you're right. It has this sheen of like, like Norman Rockwell paintings do. Exactly. Yes. You, and you, you look at those and it's like, oh, like American life was better yeah. than people it's didn't like, feel this way. No, not true. that's not true. And that's what she's getting at. She's like, the culture's lit and I had a ball, but actually I'm depressed as fuck, you know? Yeah. And yeah. like, it's all falling apart around us. Like LA's on fire. It's getting hot. You know, it's like. We're living this life of excess and ease, but also it's tough out here. So I was reading Lana Del Rey's Wikipedia the other day, um, and it's interesting because, you know, I've, I've probably read... It's funny to think, but, like, you know, how you'll reread an artist's Wikipedia page right. from time to time. I mean, I've probably read her Wikipedia a handful of times since I discovered her, and it's grown over the years. Course, and it's interesting yeah. now. It's like under the reception section it's like she's credited with popularizing the sad core genre yeah. and has inspired like all these artists Billie Eilish right. like a ton of artists who are really like making a you know sort of moving the needle these days popular in their own right yeah, yeah. um and it in this album embodies a lot of that i think it's true um i also think something something that i really like about this album too is this idea of California, I think California in in Lana Del Rey's lyrics uh, represents like this idyllic America where life is you know it's it's the West it's the frontier it's life is better out there beautiful weather and, and, and like beautiful people. famous people and it's you know sunshine and on this album that's always been kind of a theme with her but I think on this album she really tears that down and there's this juxtaposition that she comes back to on a lot of songs about like California, but also I miss New York yeah. and I miss the way things felt and I miss rock and roll music and I miss all these things. Yeah. And there's almost like this comparison of like New York was one thing and New York was like where I felt things or like where I like really felt life. Yes. And I kind of traded that in for the West coast and California in this life that was always kind of sold to me. But it's also it's this numbness out there. It's this all, emptiness. All that stuff is such an embodiment of the of of the grass is always greener type 100%. of stuff. One hundred percent. And listening to that, I, it's even like in that moment, I'm almost like Lana doesn't even believe her own bullshit here. Exactly. She she would miss whatever she just left. Yes. And and not like whatever she's in as much as she thought she would. And. Like, there's this idea, too, of just, I like, on how to disappear, which I think is a highlight on this album. I love that song. There's this idea of just, like, you you just crack another beer and pretend that you're still here. Mm -hmm. This is how to disappear. Just, like, numb. Just, like, I'm just, yeah, I'm here, but not really, you know? A lot of, yeah, and it feels like, um, 
a lot of like don't care like fresh out of fucks forever dude what an alliteration by the way yeah fear um, fun fear love fresh out of fucks forever that's amazing lana's throwing fuck around on this album a good yeah from the album title to the very first line yeah. on the album dude what a flex to open this album with uh goddamn you man child fucked me so good i almost said i love you which is like you know she, I think what people are coming to with Lana with that kind of stuff is like I'm seeing more and more on social media people being like, you know, like using the queen title for yes. her. Yes, yeah. She's yeah. a certain subsection yep. of people's queen or whatever. Yes. Like the, their, it, that's her, their pop star. Yes. And also she's taking it, – it's a big moment for – we'll get to Taylor Swift a little bit later yeah. where she does some of this on there too. That's a lyric that's very like – chest puffy it's mm-hmm. a little bit like that's something that you'd hear like a mumble rapper or someone yeah. say about a woman yeah yeah that's right it's so true dude i can i can picture like gunna or little baby yeah from is so good like yeah you know? yeah and it, it's a little disparaging yeah but it's like she's taking some of that power back yes. in a way and it's also in this kind of nonchalant if you if you don't listen close enough maybe you even miss that she said it yes exactly you know, but it's it's there, and that that that's throughout this album. It's just like her own kind of, you know, she's a sex icon, and she yeah. she kind of owns it, but like with that twist of sadness. Yeah, to Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? It's like apathy in a way. Yeah, exactly. I get a lot of Father John Misty vibes. Yeah, particularly pure comedy vibes yeah. from this album. So I even thought because that whole song, the man child line, right. and all that shit. I was trying to figure out who that might be about. You know... It might be about no one. I, I don't know that a lot of Lana's male song subjects are necessarily tied to reality. I think... They could be based on some amalgam of I characters. I think it is, and I think it is more representative of a larger male... Uh, take that she has or an archetype even might not even be supposed to be representative of a person could be representative of a thing or a place feeling yeah or yeah something like that so i don't always take it at face value also she seems to have like this bad boy character that follows her throughout all of her albums who like does a lot of drugs doesn't pay enough attention to her but like she's so in love with him it's yes it's almost like a lifestyle in a way it is it's yeah it's a specific <sighs> fetish is the wrong word but that's what i'm looking for it's like a it's like this little obsession she has yeah. with this 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 idea of bad boys but she also like you can tell like any of the things like the idea of california or the idea of new york she knows it's all bullshit the idea of love the idea of norman rockwell yeah. or of, your like, poetry's bad and you blame the news yeah. you know like she's like i know you're full of shit yeah but it's like that's kind of what's hot about it yeah is that you are full of shit and like but maybe you're not right you're right maybe you'll strike gold yeah. you know so I, I i think that's a really interesting idea and i do get a lot of father john misty vibes and they are friends from what i understand but i mean that reminds me of um of of, of father john the the night what is it the night josh tillman came to our apartment yeah, yeah. and he's yeah. like until one of them said that i sound just like sarah vaughn yes or whatever like him making fun of these people he's had sex with because yes. he's like they're actually kind of stupid they're pretty pretentious but so am i it's, and who, yeah. who these is are, what? these are like two sides of the same coin here yeah. they're like it's very smart i really like it now 
one so I I actually love this album. I actually do think this album's a masterpiece, but it's incredibly flawed. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, as an album. So on the one hand, I actually don't think Lana Del Rey's music lends itself well to an album in the way you and I think of a great album. Yeah. Like the songs don't necessarily flow together in a way that makes sense or it's a lot of the same kind of vibe and subject matter and I think over time can be a little too much where you start to tune out some of it but that's not because the songs are bad. Like if you take the songs on their own they're actually incredibly lusciously produced. Big shout Jack Antonoff who's like a fucking wizard. Yeah. And... They're also like very cinematic, and they they really need to be listened to in detail on their own. You kind of can't just let this album all bleed together. I honestly think like my only gripe with this album because I've been looking at it from the start. Yep. I think that you run through the track list: Norman Fucking Rockwell, the first track; Mariner's Apartment Complex, Venice Bitch, Fuck It, I Love You, the Doing Time cover, Sublime cover, which we can talk about. Um, Love song I'm a little lower on, but then Cinnamon Girl and How to Disappear are great. Like, that's a really, really solid, strong run yeah. to kick off the album. I think where I lose a little bit of interest is around, like, Next Best American Record, Bartender, Happiness is a Butterfly, okay. a yep. little bit. So for a couple reasons, it's like, I think those are, and they're still good. They still have moments. They still have little melodic flourishes. They still have lyrical moments that catch you. But there is a little bit of that later end of the album fatigue that sets in. This is what I mean by this album is a masterpiece, but also incredibly flawed. First of all, the track sequencing is wrong. Like, this needs to be rearranged. And then number two, to your point, it's too long. This is is like three tracks too long. I think the sequencing works right up to doing time pretty well. So... I have a proposed... This is like an impromptu, like, trim the fat. Okay, okay. I have actually put together a Norman fucking Rockwell edited track list, different sequence, that I have been listening to exclusively over the past two days, and I think it's actually better, much better than the album. Here it is. It's 11 songs, 53 minutes. First track is still Norman fucking Rockwell, because I think that works as an opener, like, incredibly well. Number two, still Mariner's Apartment Complex, where I start to have a a disconnect Venice Bitch a nine and a half minute song being the third track feels really weird to me that's fair I think you either need to have that track like first basically or it needs to be towards the back so I've moved that to the second to last song okay it's now the tenth track on the album comes second to last I moved up doing time to track three that makes sense feels like a third track it's the most like pop forward and usually that's like where the third track lies. Okay. It kind of breaks up the slower stuff because on track four, I now have Fuck It, I Love You. Yep. Then track five, I put the next best American record. That song gets kind of lost towards the back. I totally agree. When I'm listening through in the normal track list, I kind of forget about it. And I'm like, eh, whatever. Moving it up here, it's a little more like upbeat. It breaks up the kind of slowness of Fuck It, I Love You. And really is highlighted as like one of the premier tracks on here. So that's track number five. Then we close out side one with Hope is a Dangerous Thing. So rather than that being the last track, this actually is kind of like the peak of the album. It's right in the middle. It's right before intermission. Exactly. It rounds out track uh, side one. You're kind of like, oh shit. I like that. Do you close with, I bet you close with a bang now. 
year. We'll, uh, we'll see. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, in a way, yes. So we close outside one with Hope is a Dangerous Thing. We kick back off side two with California. Okay. Which is kind of like a good, faster-paced reintroduction. Kind of gets the momentum going on the second half. Hit me up. Then we have How to Disappear okay. coming next. Followed by Love Song. So these two are both like kind of a, a, a vibe. They're also two of the shorter tracks on the album. Then we get to Venice Bitch as the second to last song. And then the last one is the greatest. Yep. This, listen to, the, do me a favor. Listen to the I've, version I've put together at least once. Okay. You will hear these songs in a new light, in particular the greatest. That's the most last track I've ever heard. Like, I don't know how that wasn't the last track. And that's what I mean when this album is a masterpiece, but it's flawed. The the track listing and sequencing is all out of whack. The, okay. This album, this version flows a lot better. We're getting rid of three tracks. So it's, we get it under an hour. It's 53 minutes. We're getting rid of Bartender. Yeah. Happiness is a Butterfly. Because I think that breaks up momentum at the end. Yep. And then I get rid of Cinnamon Girl, which I, you know, I think could go either way on that one. That's where I veer with you is I think that I – so I, I agree with all the cuts you made except that. I would swap yeah. out the next Best American sure. record, which I think it's like north of five and a half minutes or something like that. It is. It's a little bloated. Yeah. I, I think Cinnamon Girl has some cool instrumental and melodic things going on that really catch my ear. And yeah. so – I totally am down with almost everything you did yeah. there, though. I think that's a, that's that's a good call. I will check that it's out. It's better, man. Um, it's better. So that that's my only complaint about this album. Now, like this is going to end up on so many end of year lists and probably be a lot of people's number one, uh, a lot of publications' number ones. Because I actually do think this album is representative of where we're at in 2019. I think this is actually a perfect album to round out this decade. Yeah, um, it just feels right. It's pop forward. Yep. It's female forward. It's it's very it's which speaking, shouldn't matter, but it does. But it, and it's, it's speaking a part of it. to this general malaise that has set in on, you know, middle class white people who and, rank albums. And it comes from someone who, for the entirety of the 2010s, helped define where music was going. Was incredibly successful, both as an indie sort of upstart. And then as a massive yep. superstar in her own right, like Lana yep. is someone who's been on Disney soundtracks. Yeah. She's someone who is, she's a big fucking name. She was on the Gatsby soundtrack. Yep. Her voice has kind of been everywhere That's throughout right. this decade. And for her to close the decade with like a kind classic, of, kind yeah. of, yeah. Like her magnum opus really uh, is, is really cool. I really think this album cashes in on the promise of video games. Do you remember when video games yeah. first came out? Like what a revelation and big deal that was i was so in love with that song dude i can't even tell you i was like obsessed because you know what it had some of that like mystery we love about yeah. like fleet foxes or like bonnie Vare or like and there, were, there were f precious few pictures of yes. lana del rey even available like, what is out this, there? this like, is amazing this album cashes in on like that idea and that feeling it took a little while but like she's here and i think this is a masterpiece yeah it's just it's it, i you know i think it's an album that like we're saying, it would have benefited from some trimming. Sure. That's not exactly the era we're in. No, it's not. And that's why I think it makes sense that it's too long. It's also not her style. No. Her Every album she's had is been has been three to four tracks too long and has filler on it. So that's... I mean, okay, yeah. So you're right to say in the way we think about it. Yes. So, But I will say that I think it's an excellent album... With the caveat that you could cut three songs, to me, masterpiece feels like a big word. 
I, I still so I think you there's stand I think by I, it. I think there's albums in the past that we love like dude Blonde on Blonde the white is album. not if the white out these aren't like yep not every track is essential no that's totally but the fair. fact that they exist in the way they do like they're still masterpieces yeah that's the thing it's like how often do I need to listen to temporary like Achilles no or you fucking don't. or 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 Revolution Nine Achilles when I can do this to you like, that's totally Achilles fair Achilles is in your alleyway that's exactly right and the truth is. Yeah, Lana deserves that kind of... Because honestly, I think songs like Mariner's Apartment Complex, uh, Venice Bitch, The Greatest, Hope is a Greatest, uh, Hope is a Dangerous Thing, those are all candidates for like Song of the Year and are the four best songs she's ever done. Uh, that's not even to mention the other songs that are on here that are also like a cut above other things that she's done. So... Like she's on one with those songs, so just just to have songs like that all on one record, like already puts it into wow, this is a classic. So, do you is this album going to make a run at Wise Blood for you? Um, you know, no, no, uh, because that Wise Blood album is very much my f- like. I love that album in the way that I love albums. This can... one's different, where I've had to chop and screw it. And it, like I could see it being a top five, definitely. I can tell you, my my number one and my top five this year is as up in the air as it ever yeah. has been. I mean, I look, I you know, I said on our mid year thing, I was like, I think that Wise Blood is going to just end up being my number one. Probably, it's still probably in that range. I'm not. We still have some big albums coming out, so I'm not. I no, never say never. Yeah, uh, who knows? A but, couple, I mean, we've had this Lana album for a week. It's just like honestly, give it another week, and I might be like album of the decade. You yeah, know? might be your favorite album. <laughs> Seriously, right? Yeah, like, it, we we don't know. Yeah, so yeah, it's really really good. I I'm impressed by what she's done, and I think I'm most happy for how the storyline has kind of turned too. around for her because it. I've, she, always, I've always really liked her. Me too. And she, you know, I've maligned her on this podcast before for the exact things we're complaining about on this episode, which like too long. The album's too long. Some of these songs could get cut. Some of the, you know, some of the sequencing makes some of it seem kind of monotone and repetitive. That being said, yeah, she's taken big swings on this album with some oh, of these yeah, songs. Oh, and, yeah, and a lot of them are home runs. Yeah. And I think this, Norman fucking Rockwell, I think is the best version of Lana that Lana has done. Also, like, it, it, as an album name, that you could tell when she, when that was announced, that that was the name yep. in Venice Bitch came out. It was yep. like, all right, yep, this is her this taking is, her swing. And, and I think we called it back then. I think we were like, this one will probably be like kind of a classic yeah. in, in her cat in her discography, and it has turned out that way. How do you feel? Let, let's talk briefly about the Doing Time cover. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've seen some mixed things. I have too. I actually like this cover. I think it's cool. It's on here. I think it works. For everything Lana's about and does, um, I like it better than some of the originals. Yeah, it just it makes sense to me. I, so I can see being disliking it if you really dislike Sublime or something. But, but also in her hands, like you, if you didn't know this was a Sublime song, you'd be like, "Oh, another Lana Del Rey song." Yeah, I mean, I think it's an excellent cover. I do too, and she sounds great singing it. Yeah, um, I had no problem with it. No, and me I, th- I actually really I like look forward to it. Yeah, on the track yeah. list. Um, Great cover. And I, yeah, I think and, we're both in lockstep there. And there's really nothing like a good cover. You don't that that, that that's an interesting wrinkle to mm. the idea of this being like a classic album. Is there's yeah. a cover on? I here. know. 
Like, what's another classic album with a cover? Like, London Calling? London Calling. With uh, Brand New Cadillac. Brand New Cadillac. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I'm sure there's many others that we're not thinking of right now. Yeah. But it's an interesting move to do. It's I mean, a, it depends on if you want to, like, how much do you Electric want? Electric Ladyland. I, I was going to say, how much do you want to count, like, blues covers and stuff? Like, well, Electric Ladyland covers Watchtower. <laughs> of course, yeah. yeah, of course. Fucking A. Yeah. yeah, that would actually that'd be a fun discussion. Is The other one was that one I brought up a couple weeks ago, that Galaxy 500 album, yeah, where they do yeah. Isn't It a Pity, to close the album. Uh-huh. Yeah, the that George is Harrison interesting. Um, I just thought that was an interesting move by her. You don't, you don't see that, I don't feel like you see that a ton anymore on an album that's no. so clearly... A deliberately like okay this is my my masterpiece I, I feel like sometimes you'll see it on an artist's like when they're still up and coming yep and they're like kind of wearing influences on their sleeve or, or a like, single or a, yeah or a B, or, you know or a B-side, B-side something like that not on an album like this as track four or whatever yeah it is, so five. I, I think it's cool I, I really like it me too uh, let's hit some quick hot thoughts here Jake we don't have to spend as much time as we did with Lana uh, but you know what Kind kind of a he- huge month August was. It actually ended up being pretty big. Is it sneakily the best month we've had? I'd have to take a look, but it, it's up there. I think it might be up there. Let's, so, go ahead. I was going to suggest we talk about Taylor Swift next. Yeah, let, let's in I, comparison to Lana, because yeah, there's a lot of parallels. And there's clearly a song on this Taylor Swift album on on Lover uh, that is invoking a, like a Lana Del Rey sound. And I she's been doing which that. Which one it is, she, but. Well, and, and I mean, Taylor's been doing that for a couple albums now. She has. And, I mean, that, also, she worked with Jack Antonoff on Lover. And well, you know what's interesting? I And look, I've only listened to Lover all the way through once. Um, I don't think Jack Antonoff's production is nearly as interesting on Lover as it is on Norman fucking Rockwell. Well, yeah. I mean, so like Taylor's going for a, a, a more pure pop thing. Yeah. I, I listened to it for the second time today. I actually think Lover is a pretty damn good album in its own right. I'm, I've never been the biggest Taylor Swift fan. I've never been, but I think what it always happens to me, and I, I was, I was hesitant to allow it to happen again, is her albums come out. I kind of write them off, and then six months later, I'm like, oh yeah, I like that song. Right. I've heard that song everywhere. Right. I like that one. And then I'm like, oh, there's four or five songs on this album that I really fucking like. I think Lover starts off really strong. I forgot you existed. It's pretty good. It's a good opener. It's fine. Um, I think Cruel Summer, the Cruel song Summer's Lover, um, The Man is pretty good. That's the one I'm thinking about where she's, the whole thing is... You know, I I think, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Go ahead. I, I think The Man sucks because, really? like, it's a fine pop song. I think her perspective of, like, would you make fun of me if I were a man is, like, pretty obvious. It's a good point, but it's also not, like... But it's the way Taylor's going to do it. Yeah. Consider her audience and consider her fans. Like many, you know, she's still appealing to a lot of younger people, I think. And like, I think it's handled in a way that, yeah, like maybe for two people who are like cynical and listen to music nonstop. Yeah. It's going to seem a little on the nose. Yeah. I think it's actually like pretty well done. I don't think it's that bad. I Especially on second listen today, I was like, yeah. I think this is... A message worth hearing. And the first time I heard it, I did. I also kind of wrote it off. I was like, all right, Taylor. So I I guess some of my problem, even with Lover, which I I actually think is a good album. I think it's better than Reputation. I think the problem with new Taylor Swift is twofold. One, I I think the conversation around what it means to have a new Taylor Swift album is exhausting. I don't pay attention to it. I don't care. But that's so much of the narrative. 
And then it's so obvious that Taylor's paying attention to the narrative around her and what people are saying. And she's putting that into her songs. She's clearly saying like, oh, I'm taking a more like socially conscious stand by putting out a song like The Man. And it's just so obvious to me that I'm just like, this is not genuine in any way. That's fair. That's totally fair. Um, it, like, you are a product, Taylor Swift, and you act that way. You don't even, like, really try to hide it. Yeah, I mean, I, at the same time, like, and it's done in a more artful way, but Lana's her own product. Any artist is, really. I think Lana has more interesting things to say artistically than Taylor Swift does. Hers is a little bit more, it's less on the nose for sure. Correct. It's more done poetically That's or what whatever. I mean, yeah. Um, but, you know, to me, it's like, if I'm going to take this... For what it is. Yeah. I think she's doing some okay stuff. Now, am I going to listen to the, the last fourth of this album <laughs> from Afterglow to me? What do you think about me? Uh, I think that the chorus gets stuck in my head and I think the yeah. rest of it makes me kind of sick. Gag. It's like pretty bad actually. Yeah. And like the I think the lyrics of that one are pretty lazy and really pretty boring. Um I don't know, man, but there's there's some stuff on here. Like, up through The Archer, I think the album is really strong. I think He Knows is pretty good. Mm -hmm. Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince. Is that is, the, like, kind of Lana Del Rey one? Sort maybe. of, ish. It's pretty good. Cornelia Street's not bad. London Boy. I like London one. Boy. Yeah, London yeah. Boy's all right. Um, soon I, don't remember, get, I don't remember the back half. I'm not going to lie. So, it, it, it falls off okay. for me. It falls okay. off. It's a, another one that is too long. Do we need 18 tracks here, There are Taylor? too many tracks. One hour? One minute? But, you know, there's... She's front-loaded this with hits, though. I, yeah. I honestly think... Forgot You Existed, maybe not, but I think it could be a hit, knowing how popular she is. Cruel Summer, I think, will be Lover, probably will be The Man, I think already is. Also... See, I Forgot That You Existed sounds like a throat clearing to me. And also... That's another one where she's like, oh, I forgot you existed. It's like, well, clearly not because you're writing a song about how much you don't care. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's that, it's that kind of shit. I, I don't like that. I, I think I forgot that you existed sucks. And he's a bad opener. I don't really agree. I actually kind of like it. I mean, I'm not like all in on it. It's not my song yeah. of the year. Yeah. But I kind of like it. I think it's like a decent... It, it, so again... Putting myself in the mindset of like, let's take Taylor Swift for what she, for what sure. she is. She's gonna write a song like this that's gonna be a little that's snotty true. in a way that I think is annoying. Yeah, trying to remove that baggage that I've actually let weigh on me for years. Yeah, I think in some ways that are kind of unfair. In in some oh, ways, it's unfair, definitely. In, in similar ways to what critics have done to Lana for years. Yeah, that's where true. like I have always. There's been a handicap on Taylor Swift for me for years because I'm yeah. just like, I'm not going to listen. I'm yeah. not even willing to try. Well, okay. I think... That's my own thing. I think not your my, thing. Yeah, because I think I, I've had a different Taylor perspective. I was you tried like way harder with her. All in with her when 1989 came out. I think she was at a crossroads there where she could have gone in one direction and been like kind of a Lana. Like, much, definitely like much more popular and like a different thing. But also with like a lot of credibility. Yeah. And I think reputation just really it went it went sour. Yeah. And it, it turned me off to Taylor in a lot of ways, reputation. Yeah. I, I so what did you think of last thought I have on Lover? I think the songs Cruel Summer and Lover are excellent. And like I was like I was pretty stoked on those today yeah. when I listened to the second time. What is your take on Pitchfork doing that retroactive the revisionist history on yeah. Taylor. Um, they gave Red a 9.1. It's too high. Uh, 
I've never listened to Red in its entirety. It's good. I, I like 1989 better. You do? But... 1989 is loaded with hits. Yeah, it is. Um, Probably her most... They, well, they did like a... 1989 is not as good as you think it is review. It was like oh, a 7-7, seven, seven, something like that. 7-8. But um, I think it's nice that they did that, I guess, because it, it shows how influential and important Taylor is this decade. Um, doing that three years after the fact seems weird a to little me. strange it's like you're you're really doing an about phase that quickly you're admitting you were that wrong that short of a time ago it, it, it's an interesting move from, so to, especially for an artist that i mean i mean talk about embracing a, a more pop centric pop optimism yeah pops you know like view of the music industry i mean like like not that I care about this really, but like if a Pitchfork editor from 1996 would probably throw up if they saw that, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's it's crazy yeah. to see that. Yeah, you know, in just over a couple decades, um, how much they've changed as a publication. It, yeah, and and having like Taylor Swift Day, I know, and coronating the yeah, album. that's. Um, but I mean, I think that goes to show like the way people think about music is not like that anymore. Like people hold Taylor Swift and like Oso oh Oso oh at the same level in their mind now like because they can what's crazy to me with with this is like she it will happen because it happens with every one of her albums she'll have like four or five big hits yep. on this album because the numbers just add up there's yep. 17 tracks and that's where I get that's where I get the most cynical listening to this is in the yeah. back half of the track list where she's rehashing melodies she's yes. done before and lyrical ideas yes. and there's clearly some that are lazy and they're just filler to like yeah. to like Boost streaming numbers and or just whatever get, and clear just, the decks yeah and just throw one in there like hey maybe take a flyer on this yes. song maybe yes. this one about like well, that, that's the thing for me where I'm like, this as an album statement yeah. will never be like a true like artistic statement. And, I, and of like, look, I think we're seeing even with Lana, when you put out an artistic statement as an album, we're seeing more and more that like filler just doesn't matter. It's fine. And yeah. you can still put out like a great album. We're just kind of in one of those modes. Um, it's fine. It's fine. I think Lover's fine. It's better than Reputation. Which I never so, listened to because yeah. I just didn't care to. Yeah. But what I found happening again was like, I would know. I'd be like, oh, like there's four, maybe three to five songs on this album, like every one of hers in the past five six years, that are like major parts of like the cultural culture. zeitgeist. The culture is lit. Uh, a few more hot thoughts, Jake. We had a new Whitney album come out last week. Kind of got overshadowed by Lana Del Rey a little bit. Forever turned around. Um, this is just a vibe. It's just, it's beautiful. It's so pleasant to listen to. That's like the way I describe this album. It's just incredibly pleasant. It's really pleasant. I think it has, so my take on this is, uh, I mean, this, their first album came out 2016, I believe. Yeah. And that was my number two album of that year. Yeah. For a long time, it was the number one yeah. until I think, was it Blonde? Blonde. Usurped it, which yep. is deserved. Yep. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that was one I knew in the moment where I was like, you do this the wrong way. <laughs> right. That's going to feel pretty bad in a few right. years. Right. And I'm glad I picked Blonde. But um, so I, I'll say this. I think Forever Turned Around is a worse album than than um, uh, Light Upon the Lake. How much worse? Mm, honestly, like just a bit. Like, oh, I, I, okay. I actually think Forever Turned Around is a more consistent album throughout and is easier to listen to for me. I think there's better 
much higher highs and better songs than Light Upon the Little Lake. That, so where I, the thing that happens to me with this album, with, with Forever Turned Around, is in the, um, the back half... I think when you get into My Life Alone, Day and Night, and Friend of Mine... Friend of Mine is one of my favorites on here. So Friend of Mine is... They're all good, but what happens in that stretch to me is there's like... I feel like that's just this kind of Whitney by the numbers stretch. Well, I think for me, that's what I like about Whitney is when it's like Whitney's sounding like Whitney and I'm, I want this vibe and I'm chasing it and also... Those songs combined are ten minutes barely. So like, and this album's only thirty-two, and it's just it's a breezy, pleasant listen. For sure, where where I think this album is at its best is in like the singles, which is the which is part of the problem. Yeah, because um, I think giving up used to be lonely. Um, those are my probably my two favorite songs. They kick it off, and. I am a little remiss, we talked about this, without that FTA song. I know. So they have a song called Forever Turned Around. It's the final track. It's good, and it has many of the same elements, melodically and instrumentally, as that song FTA that they released on YouTube. Um, I like the one they put out a few months ago better than this one. And I, I, think I would agree with that. They miss, I mean, it's a lot it, easy for me to say. It feels to me like they could have bookended this album with that FTA as the yep. opener, with that lush instrumentation, it's like, hey, back to Whitney. Yep, back Whit- to football. Whitney is moral. Whitney is family. <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh, okay, I'm getting one. Okay, here comes the slide right. guitar. Like, we're yeah, introduced back, and then they just introduce the reprise of "Forever yes. Turned Around." That lyric, they they just sing it a few times, and then it's right into giving up yeah which is a sick song yeah um that would have worked really nicely rhododendron on this album is a cool instrumental probably one area where they improved upon the song that is the equivalent on the previous album i think this is a better instrumental than the one that was on that one i agree um i think where i disagree a little bit is the consistency thing i actually think light upon the lake is a little more consistent you know what it might be too that that probably is true um, I think I just listened so much to that album that I'm sick of it and I haven't wanted to go back to it. So now in my head, even though I know it's great and I love it, I'm kind of like, I'm like, eh, like I, too much, too much, yeah. too many. Because that, that album doesn't let up. I mean, looking right. at the track listing now, it's like song right. after song is like really memorable, really good. This one... For me, there are moments where it's like, all right, it, yep, definitely sounds pleasant. I definitely am liking things they're doing. Um, I mean, I'm not disappointed. I'm gonna, I've listened to it a lot. I will continue to listen yeah, to it. Yeah, because really it's so it. easy to put on, and that's like kind of what I want out of it, though. Yep. It's just like an easy, quick listen, um, especially this time of the year, like summer's winding down. It, it just, it's perfect for that. Did you end up getting a ticket to see them at 3S Art Space? Oh with, yeah, with yeah. hand habits. Yeah, it's gonna be a good show. October first. I'm excited for that. A uh, couple more here, Jake. New Brockhampton album, Ginger. You're going to carry us here. I've listened once. Uh, uh, quick take. It's good. It's really good. I really like it. Brockhampton. I went on a nice little Brockhampton run. I listened to all the Saturation albums. This uh, Brockhampton is under the radar, like one of the best rap groups, rappers, like going right now. Yeah. They do interesting stuff album after album. I, I would think I'd be sick of them after, like, five albums in three years or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Like, Ginger's great. It's different enough from Iridescence, which is different enough from all the saturations. These build on each other in a really nice way. 
I gotta say, like Brock Hampton, they're they're bringing it. I gotta return to it. It just got swallowed up with Whitney and Lana Del Rey, yeah. which I've yes. listened to a lot. Also, I went on vacation, didn't listen to a lot of music on That's vacation. Right. But uh, I loved Iridescence, so I, I gotta I gotta get back to Ginger. And then we missed an episode last week, Jake, where we would have had the opportunity to talk about two other really good August albums. So Oso Oso, one of the favorites of the Listening Podcast, kind of they rode that wave. Uh, you know, when we first started, of kind of the uh, emo zeitgeist that we were on. Uh, we love the Unihon mixtape that came out in what 2017. At this point now, I think Unihon mixtape. I was, believe it was. I, I, it's 2018. I think it was January. Was it January 2018? Yeah. Holy shit! I mean, shit. That's, that's where a, is time going? I think that's. I think that is correct. Yeah. Um, Early last year. That seems like. No, 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 no. That's what no. it says here. No way. No, that was the re-release. That was the re-release. A re-release. Yes, this was a 2017 album. Okay. Yes, because it, it came out, it got released on, on like their actual label okay, okay. Uh, in 2018. This was a 2017 record. Uh, that was one of our favorites then. And hey, Ian Cohen finally got a win. Yeah, 2017. Uh, Ian Cohen got a win, got a Best New Music for this one, which honestly shocked me. Yeah. Uh, and, and he said on Twitter, he's like, the big difference between something like this and something like, you know, literally anything else Hotel year. is other people were advocating for this besides just me. So this seems to have like really touched some people. And I got to say, I think this album is better than Unihon mixtape. I, I do. I really do. I think it's excellent. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm loving it. And, um, Man, what a run for for yeah. for what is it, Jade Latrini? Yeah, something. Whatever it is, the guy behind Oso Oso. Uh, this album's awesome. I, I've good. listened to it a ton already, and um, uh, the view is great. Um, a song like uh, let me see, Basking in the Glow. Yeah. Um, a morning song is great. Yeah, and it's it's consistent in its its style and tone and stuff, and like. Really, really just solid songwriting throughout the whole thing. I One think, sick plan yeah. is really good. I think he's kind of like the dude, too. Like, I think he kind of does I, it all for Yeah, this. it's like, yeah. I think I, he I think plays so. all the instruments and I stuff. Think so. I could be wrong. On, on, on the record, at least. Like, I yeah, think I on mixtape, so. he did. Yeah, I think you're um, right. Yeah, I love this album. And it's. Uh, I found myself, it's one where I fell into the vibe of it. And I was just playing it over and over yes. for, for a week or two. And it... Doesn't really. I, I haven't gotten sick of it yet either. Like I find myself every couple days being like, "Oh fuck, basking in the glow." Yeah, like I, I and I'm pumped to listen to it, and it breezes by. I think this one, similar story to what I was just saying with Whitney. I think this one is more consistent all the way through than Unihon mixtape was. Maybe some higher highs on mixtape, but I think this one's more consistent throughout. There, there. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the Unihon mixtape track list. Oh, it's so good. Walk, yeah, secret spot, yeah, Late secret in the track spot, list. yeah. Um, whatever the case, it's it's an incredible run for this guy, and and uh, I mean, yeah, that was an interesting narrative too. The fact that that Ian Cohen got a W uh, in the best new huge. music department that is surprising. Huge. It was, and it, it, it like definitely cool to see. Yes. Um. So, what are your thoughts on this Young Thug album, Sean? Jake, it's so much fun. It's yeah. just the title. It's everything you need to know about this album is in the title. Um, I think this is excellent. I think it's very good. It's an incredibly fun rap album. Look, is it up to the artistic standard of a Kendrick Lamar album? No, but that's also not what this is about. This no. is fun trap music, and Young Thug brings in some of the best collaborators. Like, I don't even like Future, but a song like Submate 
the second track on here. Future sounds awesome. You have two Gunna features. You have a Lil Baby feature. You have a song called Lil Baby, <laughs> not featuring Lil Baby. This Lil Uzi Vert one, What's the Move? 21 Savage shows up and does 21 Savage stuff. Like, dude, it's just Quavo's on here. And then you round it out with a song like The London with J. Cole and Travis Scott. That sounds like the, look, the three of us are maybe the biggest names in like trap or pop rap right now. We're going to all get together. We're going to put out a massive hit. And then Thug is going to go like do crazy shit on the rest of this and do crazy Young Thug stuff. Like, I think Young Thug has positioned himself as one of the five most influential rappers this decade. Feels like it. Um, with this album, I, I, I want to give it another try. Um, you know when you should give it a little try? Yeah, somehow or other, didn't grab me. And I, <laughs> I'm shocked based on all of our history of talking about trap on this podcast. I like Jeffrey a lot. I think that album's this is great. Different. Jeffrey is different. This is a different, this is, like, this is a party album. This is a party yeah. trap album. Um, I wouldn't say he's pushing in terms of like doing super interesting different stuff. I think Jeffrey, especially for that time, was. Yeah, really cool. I mean, here's the thing. I'm not saying I'm right or even that anyone should yeah. have my opinion because from everything I see, people have the opposite opinion of me. Um, I, to be totally, This also got a best new music. It did. It did. And it got a lot of good reviews. Yeah. And it's been pretty positively received. Was a move. <laughs> To be totally honest, though, all through the track list, I was pretty fucking bored. Hey, man. Until, until the London. Even through those first four tracks, even through all of it, I'll go back to it. I'll listen some more. Everything's litty. I love when it's hot. Right. Like, come on, dude. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Good point. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. These are, okay. But... Okay. But this is my larger point. Yeah. Me saying everything's litty. I love when it's hot, Jake. Yeah. That is what is exciting about these albums. They're so absurd. They're so maximals. They're so over the top. You latch onto these little things, these little earworms, and you're just like, yeah. this is something so different. It's a part. It's like, this is, this is what Lana Del Rey means when she say, says the culture is lit. Yeah, I, you know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to it. I'm going to try again because I like Young Thug. And I'm interested in What's the what he might be doing. Uh, didn't grab me. I don't know. That's just and, you know what. And like, I'm not saying that that's even a that's a good take or or not. You a bad bitch, little baby. That's not even the lyrics. Doesn't matter. Take it for what you will, dude. Yeah. I, I, like, I don't know, man. I, surf, surf, surf. Like that's actually one of my least favorites, but. You yeah, know. Pussy's a pretty bad song. That 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 is my least favorite. Yeah, that's pretty, my least. Pretty favorite. bad. L another really long album. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just like that. That's where it kind of begins and ends for me. I like, I put it on. I just no, nothing about it jumped yeah. out. I, yeah. And again, I probably would play it on really loud speakers at a party. I'd probably be like, okay, I'm down with a couple of these songs. Or the dress because I had to carry a stick. <laughs> you know like yeah like it's fun that's funny yeah i get that that's he, funny he said in an interview he's like oh i answer the question of the century why i wore a dress on jeffrey right yeah i anyway he had a stick because he had an ak there you go so these I, are the answers jake this is this, what is, we've been waiting this for. is all part of it yeah it's all part this is of what we yeah what we so honestly i love 
pretty much every single album we just talked about with the exception of Lover, which I think is fine. Yeah, it's fine. All it's, these other ones are like great. We've, yeah. we've been spoiled. Yeah. A- and on top of that, we don't really have to talk about it, but that uh, Pear album, A Healthy oh, Earth, is yeah. really good. And that JSOM album, uh, Anakko, Anakko, is really good too. So It was a good month. Nice little run for August. Big shout to you. Um, all right, this has been a long episode. We had a long after show as well. Uh, let's wrap it Pretty up. Pretty incoherent after show. <laughs> yeah, you can say that again. Uh, let's wrap up with a release radar for September 6th. Uh, pretty stacked week here. Yeah. Uh, new Bat for Lashes album called Lost Girls. This actually got album of the week on Stereo Gum. So That's good news. You know, maybe big things for this Bat for Lashes one. I guarantee I won't like it as much as I'm supposed nope. to. Correct. That's what always There'll be like one or two songs where you're like, ooh. Yeah. And then you'll be like, ah, I listened twice. Once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I listened once. And it was like... Yeah. It it's a thirteen minute it's a thirteen track forty nine minute album or something. And it like, feels like a fifty eight. I'm like, do I yeah. want to listen again know, to this album? No. Uh, we also have the return of Lower Dens. So this is an album where when I saw it on the agenda, when I looked through the notes, I had forgotten this band or this musical project existed. <laughs> Let alone had an album that I liked to well, get them out when it came out. In fairness, they have not put out a new record since I. Th- Think 2015, or er, and it was early 2015. But still, if, that, if I recall, that, I remember that. Yeah, Escape from Evil 2015. Songs like On Dime to Die in L.A. Sucker Shangri La, Jake. Good stuff. Good album. I, that was a pretty good album. It was. I liked it. I don't remember how any of those go. Oh, dude, listen like on your way home to like On Dime or to Die in L.A. and you'll be like, oh fuck, like yeah. I forgot how good these songs were. Uh, so they have a new one coming out called The Competition on Friday as well. New Post Malone, Interesting. Jake, called Hollywood's Bleeding. I, I like this title a lot better than Beer Bongs and Bentleys. Beer Bongs and Bentleys much. is a bad album title yep. and cover. Yes. Um, over, under, an hour 15. Under, but we'll say like over, under 20 tracks. Because I think, I feel, I, I and I don't know this to be true, I feel like what's going to happen with a lot of these new Post Malone songs, it's going to be a lot of like two and a half minute like hook hooky ass songs you know a lot of good songs on that last album not that i i didn't really listen to the whole thing that much okay so the last album was 64 minutes mm, okay seemed longer yeah stony was uh probably shorter right white iverson doesn't even say boys as i was young uh and then the last one jake you know, this is an all-time release radar of like, wait, this is coming out? Yeah. Frankie Cosmos. With another one. Close It Quietly. Now, I think these are full band arrangements of that like EP or short album that she oh. put out, that piano album. But I think oh. there's additional songs coming on it. I think those songs are there, but also some other ones. So That's kind of cool. Um there's like 21 tracks, but it'll probably be like 19 minutes. Dude, yeah, it, probably won't, it, it won't eclipse the 10-minute mark. Each song will be like three minutes. Which of these will be here like, I have a water bottle. <laughs> New song. But you know what's crazy, though? Why do you make me sad? Water bottle. While I'm in the water kitchen. New, new track. <laughs> I bought a tapestry today. It's really cool. New track. (laughs) 
and like we're joking, but I actually love Frankie Cosmo. I do too. She's sick. And, and if I'm putting money, next thing is one of my favorite albums of this decade. <laughs> Me too. And if I'm putting money on which of these albums, next thing I'll is like, better than that. That for, one with the dog and the for bathtub, sure. Right? For What's sure. that album called? Uh, I forget. It, I forget. Not as good as next. No, thing. it's not. I listen to it a lot though. I, I tried to make it happen with that album. Yeah, and there's certain tracks I love. Yeah, never quite. Yeah, but yeah. Um, one of weird like just because she has so many tracks on her album, she's like one of my most played artists mm-hmm. on Last FM. Which I bought a potted plant. <laughs> it represents my tears. <laughs> Not really like a coherent melody there on that one. Sounded a lot like a. <laughs> Next track. It <laughs> doesn't matter. Next yeah. track. Yeah. Um, Frankie Cosmos, new record coming. I'll probably really like it. But. Yeah, I'm pumped. Uh, so that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you for listening. Uh, a lot of big albums coming out soon, so I'm sure we'll be back doing some more consistent episodes. Uh, but I'm most likely moving in the next month or two, so Big we'll move. have to figure that out. We're going to have to figure that out, and um, if any of this year has been an indication of how consistent we are when we live in the same city, uh, I'm sure you'll be hearing from us on a more consistent basis once Sean moves We're moving 45 to a minutes daily old. show. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Don't remember. Don't care. Crazy Nothing summer. Matters. Uh blurry, hazy summer. We missed a few pods. That's fine. It's September though. You know what that means? I do. Back to football. Yeah. Back and to family. Back to fun. Back to to snacks. That's back right. to uh, low-level depression as 345 well, hits. And, you know... Or no, as rather like 545 yeah, hits. Yeah, yeah. And it's dark. And the... And you're down big in fantasy. And the 4 o'clock games are ending, and they weren't that good to begin with. Nope. And, and, you and you're kind of, forcing yourself to maybe take a nap through it, and... Then you don't feel great mentally, because uh-uh, you didn't uh-uh. really move today. <laughs> no, no. And you didn't do anything really to put yourself in a position to feel good. <laughs> no, 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 no. You you didn't help yourself whatsoever. Um, and you know what? You go ahead. I have a thing. No, yeah, go ahead. That mood, when you're with... When you get together with, like, all the buddies... Yeah. And you all watch the 1 o'clock and the 4 o'clocks... Yeah. That mood hits everyone around the same time. Oh, it comes yeah. in little waves, and yes. you can feel it around the room. There's nothing sadder than packing up at like mm. at like six ten. People start like, well, you know, this game's over. And, and, and it's forty five thirteen. Here's what you're feeling physically. Ravens are down big. You have a little bit of a headache because for for one of two reasons. Every time, either one, you're staring at the TV too long. You yeah. Number one is yeah, you're staring at a screen for too long. Number two is like either you drank a little too much the night before mm-hmm. and you have the remnants of like a of a sneaky hangover. Or you had a few beers during the first set of games. The one o'clock. The buzz has worn off. And then you're combining that with watching the TV and you're just tired 
And you've eaten too many chips, too. What, dude, and the salt is coursing through your veins. Yeah. And you, you're thirsty, but yeah. you don't have water. And you don't really, like, want your friends to water. You don't want water. your friends, friends warm tap water. Really? You're like, I'll get home. Yeah. And then, like, I'll find some form of stasis at home. But, like, you... You don't. You do have the Sunday night HBO shows coming up, which is good. But you know that after that, it's like ugh, okay, not much. Here's I'm gonna paint a scenario for you, yeah, Sean. Lay it on me. You're with a group of friends. Uh, the Patriots yeah. defeat the Bills, okay, thirty-four to ten. I'm getting a feel for this during the one o'clock games. Yep. You have three Miller High Lifes. Okay, you got a buzz going into the four o'clocks. Everyone's feeling good yep. based on that win. So everyone's like, let's watch the four o'clock. And you're it's, regretting it. It's, but at first you're like, hell yeah, yeah. this is great. I'm never going to die. <laughs> Seahawks Cardinals. Right. What can go you're wrong? Like, Ooh, a little West Coast action. But then the Seahawks are up 19 to 3 <laughs> yeah. with 10 minutes left in the fourth. And you're like, ah, that's when the headache starts to yep. hit. Yep. And you're like, should we flip to CBS? And like, that game's worse somehow. Yeah. It's, Steelers are beating the shit out of the fucking Bengals. No, dude, that game is like the Broncos and the Raiders. Broncos Raiders, or, or or it's a game like maybe a Broncos Steelers. Yeah, it's like an interdivisional yeah, yes. AFC game. Yes. And like it's not really close. It's never as good as you want it to be. And like as soon as the team that you think is gonna mount a comeback starts to costly pick yeah, or course. costly fumble. Of course. And you're going up against that other team's defense in your fantasy matchup, so it's like you're like, yeah. I'm okay. Like and well, fuck, like what happened here? Jesus. And yeah, I know that feeling well. It's like the first week of November, oh. and like winter depressions here are a little early. You're and like, wait, this is happening earlier and earlier every year. And regular depression never it's, left. Exactly, and they're all kind of mixing together. They're hanging out together. Yeah, they're and different moods. That's that's they the are. that's the double edged sword of fall. Is that as much as I love it, I also hate the darkness. I'm gonna start light therapy next week. Seriously, so I'm going. I'm planning to. It's a good call. Yeah, you good should do preemptive it. light therapy. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Back to football. Do you have any other football thoughts? Um, so, a couple fantasy football leagues I'm in. Yep. The draft is always kind of fun for four rounds. And then, yeah. then you're like, eh. Right. Every pick I make feels wrong and bad. Yeah. Yes. No yes. matter what now. Yes. Like, I don't know enough about the league anymore to uh-huh. have a steal. I'm, I'm not able to identify guys' first name anymore. No. I'm calling them C. Clemens rather than like... Carlos Clemens. Cantavius Clemens. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. You're just like, okay, yeah. Like, I'll look at... So, I'm, I'm on auto drive right now. Let's see how many of these people I don't recognize. Cortland Sutton. That sounds vaguely familiar. I'm going to tell you, it reminds you of Cortland Finnegan. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes. This, is, this is a receiver for... Can you name the team? Cortland Sutton. Yep. Um, I feel I feel like this dude is on, like, the Niners. He's a, he's a Bronco buster. He's a Bronco... <laughs> You picked this guy just so you could you could say Bronco oh, Buster. Here we go. I have the I have the Bronco Buster defense. I have the Broncos defense. Please keep that defense the entire year. At kicker, I have someone named Michael Badgley. Who does he play for? Do you have a guess? The Bears. Nope, the Chargers, who I almost just called the Clippers. Wow. And then I also have as a starter who I picked in like the fourth round, Chris Goodwin. Do you think? If you were given Don't know who the is. challenge, do you think you'd be able to name a kicker for every single team 
but the caveat being they don't have to be on the team now, just a kicker that you know was on a team at one point. Uh, man, maybe. Like, maybe. See, could you do it with the AFC East? Yeah, I'm Gostowski and Vinatieri, and then I would, no, you just need one. All right, well, I, I took okay, two. Okay, um, with the Jets, I would go. I know Nick Folk was on the Nick team. Nick Folk, yep. Uh, with the uh, with the uh, Broncos, I'd go Alindo Mare. The Dolphins, yeah, mean? the Dolphins. Yeah, Alindo Mare. You call them the Broncos. Oh, the Bronco Busters. <laughs> um, and then with the Jets, the, uh, the, the Bills is maybe the hardest, but I have a great one. Okay. Um, Go ahead. Think famous missed field goal, Scott Norwood. Oh, uh, Scott Norwood. That's Honestly, good. I can't think of many... From our era? Like, from our era. Oh, man. I Bill's oh. kickers. Oh, come on. Shit. You know what's funny, though, is I feel like all of these guys just end up on these... Like, like Olindo Mare could have been on the Bills for a year, for all I know. Olindo Mari might be an active kicker in the league right now. now. And yeah. he's like 59. Yeah. And yeah. like, this guy's still at it. <laughs> right. I mean, fucking, uh, what's his name is, um, who's old as shit. Vinatieri yeah. is still kicking, right? Vinatieri is a fucking boomer and he's Vinatieri. still in the league. Dude, I know. Yeah, it's you know? true. He's like my dad's age. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, he had a grandparent that was part of the greatest generation. How many of the players on the team do you think Adam Vinatieri talks to? Vinatieri? Uh, Brady, probably. Adam Vinatieri! <laughs> Maybe Brady. That'd be the only one. He's not on the team with Brady. Oh, oh, oh. You mean on his team now? Yeah. Oh, I think a lot of them. You do? I do. I do. Because he's double the age of the, many but, of but them. But the running joke in the locker room, you know, with these guys is like, oh, Vin- Vinatieri. Like, the, you, the, a lot of these dudes are like, you a legend, man. You a legend. And, and like, it's a lot of that. Like, he's crazy, man. Gray hair. Yeah, yeah. Like, look at this cat's hair. Yeah. You he, know? <laughs> they call him this cat. This cat, yeah. And he's just like, ah, good game, guys. Yeah. <laughs> he's, yes. Good game, boys. I was yeah. drafted in the mid-90s. <laughs> you weren't. Born. I yet. was drafted before some of you were born. You know what's going to start popping up this season is a lot of the Tom Brady was in the league when this player was XYZ. You know, either in kindergarten or like, yeah. you know, was three months old when Tom Brady won Super Bowl 36. That shit has begun. And like the, this guy on, on Hard Knocks, I watched a couple episodes. Yeah. This sort of like uh, hard hitting, high draft pick cornerback that they picked I sounds forget. like he's gonna have a long career and I, have like really good mental, mental health. health after his career. Yeah, yep. Uh, he, they couldn't get him to like settle down in walkthroughs. Yeah, that's not a great. They sign were playing for him. like without pads, yeah. and he was like he like refused to not hit. <laughs> this dude's like I just need to hit something. Fucking knucklehead, dude. That's terrifying. And he like loves horses. Weird guy. Weird. Anyways, he was. Talking about Tom Brady, and yeah. he was like, he's like, Tom Brady, 42? He's like, Tom Brady could be my daddy. <laughs> <laughs> he's older than my dad. He's like what he said, which I thought was funny. Old. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Um, so yeah, back to football, back to family, back to fun, back to safety. And back to, best of all, not worrying ever at all about the moral implications of supporting a league like the NFL. No. Um, what's going to happen here, though, is I'm, I'm pushing that way down right now so I can get a little excited for like that first Thursday night game. With a, for like, anything. A little bit of chip. <laughs> Correct. For literally, I want to feel something. Yep. Um, maybe football's that thing. Maybe football can fill that void this week. So I'm letting myself be a little excited, and that's going to slowly wear off. And then week four, I'll be back to being like, well, you know... Football immoral. 
and it like is anyways. I mean, I would yeah. I'll say that now and still watch. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. you know, because you because exactly. uh, the thing is, it's still an entertaining exactly. thing to watch. And like, yes. I do it for like my friends do it. It's yeah. fun to be in a fantasy league. Yeah. It's fun to be in a pickup. Back to football. Back to football. Uh, one one more thing God before bless we, us everyone. We dive into the episode. Can I just say, Succession? I think is my favorite current show on TV. Have you started watching this yet, Jake? I've not. Okay. For any of the listeners out there, it's basically all of the palace intrigue and political machinations of a Game of Thrones. My mm. favorite part of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Just part of Thrones. Just all the time. Playing out in a modern setting. Milieu. That will, yeah, that like kind of lampoons and satirizes current events in a really smart, funny, thoughtful way. While also just being like a great kind of like talking thriller. I like the sounds of that. I will have to check that out. For the first time in a very long time, I have a TV recommendation. Yeah. Fleabag. That's right. Mary-Kate and I have been watching it. Amazon original. Well, no. BBC show that Amazon picked up. It's on Prime. Um, Awesome. Yeah. Super original. Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who's like the woman who created it, stars in it. I think maybe even directs a couple episodes, writes all the episodes, um, is awesome. So many good characters in it. It's mm. and you will fly through it, dude. It's it's two all seasons. All I need to do is start, and I, it'll basically be done. Two seasons, six episodes each. Each one is less than a half hour. Yes. So That's... it's honestly almost like too little. Yeah, yeah. It's like three hours. Because like we're on the last episode. I think we're gonna watch tonight. I could watch it all like now. You could, you could, we could yeah. stop this and you and can I'll go watch fly. all of it and then we'll restart and you can and have I'll, takes. And I'll have time to get to bed early. Perfect. And we won't even do the pod. Uh, but yeah, I highly recommend Succession. When you yep. wrap up Fleabag, tell you what, we'll do a home and home. Oh. I'll do Fleabag. How many seasons of Succession are There's there? There's one full one. And oh. it's four episodes into the newest season. And it's only like 10 episodes okay. in the first season. Okay. And honestly, once you get to episode like three, you're going to be so locked in. I will say... Is it C- uh, HBO? HBO. You'll watch the first episode and be like, yeah, like this is good. Yep. But you're going to need like the next two to really hook you. I, I'd like to watch that. I got to get back to Barry as well. Mm, Barry's great. Um, and oh, I finally finished The Deuce. Season oh, two, finally. I, I never started season two. It, it, I fell off in the middle and then didn't go back for months and finally finished the last three episodes. You and I still have not finished. Is the is the most recent season of Better Call Saul. Oh! Better Call Saul might be the best show on TV right now. Dude, you, because you know what happened? We got fucked over doubly yeah. because our landlord forced us to move. That's right. And in doing that, so we were a few weeks behind yeah. on Saul already, and yep. we had planned to do an on-demand binge. We had to move, which takes you like, you know, all your TV watching time is spent moving. So for Correct. some of that time, you don't have a TV set up. Correct. Um, really big problems that I'm dealing with here. <laughs> um, but uh, and what happened was we went on, and it had it expired on demand. Oh, so so we the, we yeah. were like, what do we we couldn't catch up. That's a, that's. A, a big problem with like the AMC's of the world. Yeah, that man. Their fucking app or whatever. They're like expires in three hours, and you're like, shit. Like we like better I, watch it. I gotta, I gotta watch it work. Fuck. <laughs> 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 or else you never fucking can. I think it's actually on Netflix finally now. Is it? I think it is. 
Okay. I think it is. Ooh. Good Place Season 3 is on Netflix now, too. I've watched Good Place Season 3. Nice. We watched it's it on Hulu. Good. Oh, so nice. We're completely nice. caught up on Hell Good yeah. Place. I love that show. It's very good. I'm pumped. It feels like it's only a matter of time until it runs out of some gas, though, right? Oh, I think it... I, I think two, it... Two more seasons? Oh, I think it's going to already... I think next season it won't be as good. This is... The next season of Good Place, season four, will be the equivalent of season five of The Office, where it's like still actually good on paper, but doesn't pass the eye test. Unless they are somehow... None of that meant anything, by the way. (laughs) Like, looks good on paper, doesn't pass the eye test for The Office season five? Like, what the fuck? (laughs) The funny thing is, is like you said it convincingly Does that make sense, though? And confident enough? I know he's... It doesn't make any sense, but it also makes complete sense. <laughs> doesn't pass the eye test is really funny. Um, here's a quick update for okay. you out there, listeners. Um, I put my draft on auto draft. Hell yeah. And um, auto draft has kindly drafted me two defenses. Hey. Which is not necessary at all. Well, when that bye week rolls around for your I first I could have just defense, scooped up any defense. Else. Yeah, good it's thing. True. You can play the matchups. And okay, here's okay one more for you that I had never heard of. Um, a, a, a receiver from Buffalo, yeah. Zay Jones, Z A Y Jones. Zendaya. That's a cool note. Just Zay. Okay. <laughs> Z-A-Y. Zay Jones. Did you pick him? Yeah, auto draft. Oh, nice. That's cool. Way to go, auto draft. Nice. Peerless Price. <laughs> Bill's wide receiver. Peerless Price. It's a good name, Paul Pierce. Dude, Pierce. Yeah. Like, the, the, alliteration. It's fun. It's a good name. I don't know if I'd have the fucking chutzpah to do it. Hootspah! Dude, we're seeing that crazy dude in, what, a a week? Next Next Thursday. Friday? Malcolm Gladwell, yeah. Next Friday. Okay, next Friday. That's right, the 13th. Uh, The next day, Treehouse. Yes. Is that um, that's confirmed all the dude, okay. That was an all time episode of me being like, where the fuck is he going with this? And like, even having listened to it, I'm still. I, I get it, but I'm still like, dude, a lot of different narratives in that episode. He like pulled it together basically. He was like, you know what though? Is yeah. Malcolm Gladwell this Bill if this was Bill Simmons, we'd be like, Are we sure Malcolm Gladwell's good? Well, yeah, like I really enjoy Gladwell. I There's do too. certain episodes where I like leave and I'm like, well, I like kind of fundamentally disagree with your premise. Yeah. I think there was I one think he likes season. being contrarian in like yeah. throwing out what like he he's like what what connection can I make like the Nigerian basketball team or whatever yeah. he talked about on Simmons like there was one oh dude and that he his connections were so loose. he's like and and Steve Nash appears <laughs> on the team Bill what do you think about this and Bill's like dude <laughs> you're crazy he's like no no hear me out hear me out hear Bill. me out hear me out Steve Nash Steve Nash was on a soccer team, of course, as you know, as you know, Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as you as you know, with Nelson Mandela. It, was he? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Gladwell is so fucking funny. That day he's hilarious. And you get you know, Tim Duncan. It's like what? How? Well, dude. <laughs> well, like, kind of crazy. Clevel's so funny. Dude, and like, 
the, the, trying to find the point in the podcast where he'll tie the knot. The, yeah. Actually, I thought this season was maybe better than last season. I though. thought it was too. Um, the the whole thing about uh, the uh, what's what's the the um, Jesuit thinking? Yeah, yes. well, I thought it was really interesting yes. and like well done. I agree, and like definitely more tightly constructed than some of last year. Uh, some he, of went, last he got season, into the weeds last year. Some last of last season. year was a little much. Yeah, I agree. I had a hard time getting through it. It sat in my feed for a year. Yeah, I powered through. Yeah, yeah. I still have the last two to watch or listen to and now Bill (laughs) (laughs) we get LeBron James how (laughs) I love that students didn't know what to do with that no because he he couldn't he couldn't like play ball with it no no. dude if anyone if there's one person listening to this podcast still at this late stage of the post (laughs) show you were as crazy as Malcolm Gladwell yes yes you'd have to know all of these characters and like what that was like a it was a sneaky, really good level that you just fell into. <laughs> it, was, it was like it was, I mean, like in the moment, it, yes. felt, it was really funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where he'll like prompt someone when they clearly don't know the answer. Like he does that to Simmons all the time. Yeah. But, but here's the thing, Bill. Think about if 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 these runners <laughs> were allowed to play Olympic basketball. <laughs> And you put he's, he's now also Teddy Perkins. <laughs> Olympic basketball. You put four Olympic sprinters on the court at once. Who could keep up? How would you defend this? It's like uh, <laughs> Simmons. Like well, I don't know, dude. How would you defend this? That's great. That's that's good. You know, I, I think like. Just hearing these dudes for years, like you just know, yeah. you can just get them. Another you know? good one too. Klosterman. And 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 I think, Bill, you know, fundamentally, wouldn't you have to think this way? Yeah. <laughs> and he, he, I love that Klosterman phrases questions in a way where you can only answer the way he wants you to. And, and now follow me now. So the only conclusion that I can come to is actually is that Taylor Swift. He's Jesus Christ. <laughs> and you're like, whoa. Like, <laughs> like I was alone for the ride for some of that. And then and you hear me out. Hear me out. And so it's like, you're so like, Taylor Swift is, she's like the power forward. <laughs> she's like Hakeem the Dream on that 86 Rockets team. And they he, didn't win the championship. They didn't win the title. They didn't win the title, but. And, the, and, the, and he like, Klosterman like won't acknowledge what Bill right. said. Yes. Well, but but follow me here. So, so Taylor Swift. Now, if we take her career in perpetuity, Bill, uh, I I love these characters. So obviously Gladwell, Klosterman, I think Rosillo. Who else is the most like? House is pretty funny. Who's the most like clearly quotable though? Who has like their own personality? Mm. Who's like a, a force of personality on on the podcast? Um, I I think uh, Wesley was, Morris is. Yeah, Wesley Morris. He's a big one. Oh, he's a tough one to do. Now, it. Bill. Yeah, it has the lilt. Yeah. Yeah, and he now, gets a little I, fired up, and he'll kind of yes. scream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be like, I think this is a movie about white men. About whiteness, Bill. Yeah, it's a lot of that. It's about whiteness. <laughs> yes, yes. Look at it. <laughs> And someone's just like, ah, oh, yeah, and I can't really comment, you know. He's like, you know, t- Twitter, Twitter loves this movie. 
you know, my son Ben, he's, uh, you know, he's ordering one burrito off Chipotle. We said, no, no, get it. That's that app's draw, coming off your phone. That's where you draw the fucking line. <laughs> like, see, I, like, at least he wasn't ordering like seven burritos. Yeah, like, where was where was his dinner, dude? <laughs> Simmons seems like a bad parent he to, seems, to Ben. He seems like, he seems he like, seems a, like a great parent to his daughter, to though. To Zoe. Yeah. yeah. He's almost like, okay, like Zoe's clearly the smarter one. And like Ben, he, oh, dude, he was routinely saying that he's going to end up like staying at home and yeah. not going to college. Yeah, it's, it's fucking crazy. Uh, all right, that took a turn. Should let's, we do this? Let's thing? dive in. Let's dive in here. All right. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. 